Okay. Yeah. I think I'm recording now. Stay safe, stay sane. I'm 241 meters above sea level and I'm overlooking the Garden of Ireland, County Wicklow. I'm at the cross at the top of Brayhead and the view from up here is absolutely beautiful. Now I'm observing the two kilometer restriction from our homes that the government have asked us to observe. And I'm lucky I can leave my front door and be at the cross at the top of Brayhead within 25 minutes and enjoy this, this lovely view and get a bit of exercise. And it's the, uh, it's the third time I've been up here in the last 10 days. It's probably more times that I've been up here in uh, 30 years, but anyway, uh, really enjoying it really really lovely here today and what better way to introduce you to uh, today's podcast i've got a a businessman from bray who employs 300 people in the town who had to close all of his hospitality businesses down overnight uh, a couple of weeks back obviously when the uh, lockdown came in and i'm also joined by someone i met on the way home from my walk yesterday, I spied him on the Putland Hill. I whipped out my iPhone and recorded this quick chat with an old friend of mine. So, Joe Ballard, how are you? How I'm are you doing? top of the world today. Uh, like most days, go on, York, move on. This is York, my guy. Don't walk along with me. And we're very near the end of our first half of our two-kilometer walk. This is Stay Safe, Stay Sane. I'm Mark Quinn, making contact with people from all over the world as we experience this strange coronavirus era. 85-year-old blind musician Joe Bollard and I worked together on the local radio station BLB a long time ago, and we always got on well. He's a great man for a lively chat. Well, Come on, yo, good boy. Just talk me through that, Joe. Where do you go from where I to where? I go from Wolfton Square, come down the square, cross the Vivi Road at the crossing, and come down this punishment hill, it's, I call it. It's called Putland Hill. <laughs> it's a PU, begins with punishment, because you have to go back up again. Yeah, well, that's but the trouble I with hills, isn't it? I wouldn't have it any other way, because I... Come on, yo, good boy. I don't... Um, it's, it's exercise for me. Yes. And it's my 2K, and I'm doing it legally because before I started thinking about it, I rang the guards. Oh, did you? And I said, what can I do? So yeah. when I put this plant up, he said, yeah. But I'll tell you what surprised me. Go on, York. What surprised me was they were so good. One of the guards said, look, if you get sick and you want someone to take the dog for, the, for his exercise, give us a ring here at the guard station. Oh, that was very good of Now, him, where would you get where that? Where would you Only get that? Joe Bollard, and we'll have more from our impromptu walk and talk later. Meantime, I've been talking and listening at a safe distance to lots of people from all over the world. Hey. Hey, Julia. Hi, bon dia. Bon dia. <laughs> I lost my list a few years ago, and the loneliness is just unbearable. We are free human beings, despite the common belief. Um, Belarusians are are an intelligent nation. We'll be hearing from Brazil, Bray and Belarus in later episodes. To me, one of the interesting and heartwarming side effects of this change of lifestyle for us all is the endless supply of goodwill that people seem to have for each other. But unfortunately, this isn't always the case. 
um, and I was taking a nice walk from my house down to the sea and down the pier, which had become my daily walk. Linda Cullen is CEO of Coco Television, a production company based in Dublin, and she likes to take a regular walk along the pier in Dunleary, near where she lives. As I was walking along the road before getting onto the pier, two young lads, really young lads, were approaching on the pathway. I was chatting on the phone to my auntie at the time because, again, I have small kids here at home, so it's hard to get to talk to people. And I I moved out onto the road to, to create as much distance as I could from the lads. Uh, they were young lads, they weren't thinking, they were taking up the, ro- the pathway. Didn't I didn't really pay any heed to it, but as I passed by, one of them turned and either coughed or spat at me. Not really sure which. Good because I, I was chatting to my aunt. Now, I had been listening with my with my family here, with my partner anyway, earlier in the day to the radio, where apparently in the previous day, literally only day or two days, it, it seemed to be becoming a thing that teenagers were spitting, particularly at guards, actually. And there was some sort of TikTok challenge connected to it. These lads were not recording me. They just thought it was hilarious. So I stopped a couple of yards away from them and turned, you know, because I, I got quite a shock. And I think as well, I was relatively unthreatened, feeling unthreatened in a sense because they weren't older. Like they were about, mm-hmm. I thought about 10 and 13. It turns out they were 11 and 13. But I, you know, so my own kids are nearly 10. So I was kind of going, oh, come on now. You can't be doing stuff like that. You know, I was talking to them like that and saying, you know, it's not only, you know, frightening, it's actually really frightening and it's actually dangerous. Like you do not know, and maybe you do know whether you've got, you know, and I was talking to them like this, but they, at that point, I had no sense of them at all, really. They just seemed to be lads, local lads walking along the street. The smaller of the two, the younger of the two, started actually kind of attacking me, running at me and spitting and coughing at me. So I kind of, you know, in in those moments where I was talking to them, I was sort of realizing already, oh, my God, he's bloody coughed on me or spat on me something. Oh, God, you know, and he was really close to me. Mm. Um, And then this kid was running and I thought he was actually going to put his hands on me. He certainly was threatening to. So I kind of backed away and my, you know, I was kind of shouting at them at that point, get off me, get off me, because I thought he was getting on me. And my aunt was kind of screaming down the phone, call the police, call the police. So I suppose I did, you know, I did. I moved away from them and they they did stop coming at me. Mm -hmm. And I got up onto the bridge. I rang the guards. They kind of moved off then. And as I was talking to the guards at the end of the phone call, they, they came back and essentially chased me. They actually just thought it was hilarious. They they were laughing and kind of running and, you know, this sort of, So it got out onto the pier where I was able to kind of enlist the help and warn other people because I assumed if they were doing it to me, they'd do it to anyone. Yes. Before the guards arrived, my aunt and uncle had, had jumped in a car and come down to me. Now, my aunt and uncle are in their 70s. And so they're actually cocooning at the moment, right? You know, as mm-hmm. they should be. So they're in the vulnerable group as such, if you if you know what I mean. Yes, but, of course. Yeah. You know, so so they came down to the pier. I, my aunt and I are incredibly close. She's like a kind of older sister to me, and like we couldn't go near each other. We haven't seen each other since this all started. So they left a kind of packet of bleach wipes on a, the bonnet of another car. To you know, I was bawling, crying at this point, Mark. Jeez. You know, course, I was yeah. really distressed because they were kind of chasing me. And then when I took the ca- I took the phone out to to actually photograph them. At that point, they moved off. And also, someone on the pier said, "I know who they are." 
and my aunt and uncle arrived and then a little later the guards arrived so they subs they got they gave me hand sanitizer but again it's just such a weird time even when i was starting shouting on the pier everyone stopped dead and i noted it's bizarre the things you notice even when you're really frightened everyone was standing significantly apart from each other so we were all standing it was like some Mm. kind of crazy futuristic movie we're all standing knowing we can't move towards each other uh, but the guards were the same they stayed in the van they didn't get out of the van they put hand sanitizer into my hands rather than give me the bottle obviously all correct all rightly so mm-hmm. um but neither they nor my aunt and uncle could let me into their cars so yeah. I had to walk home and I was frightened I was very frightened actually and how have you been since then Linda <sighs> You know, I don't go there anymore for a walk. And uh. I've lived here all my life. You know, I've, I'm, I was born here. So I go other places for a walk because at the moment I'm trying to make sure one of my kids comes with me. Not, not for my protection, just for their exercise because, uh, you know, they need to get out. So we, but again, we don't want to travel. There's four of us in the family. We, we kind of don't want to go all together. I think we're trying to reduce groupings and all of that. So we, we me, me and either one of my kids goes another direction. We go other places. The, the notion of someone spitting on you or coughing on you at the moment is absolutely Well, at any, at any time, really. I mean, at any time it's awful, but particularly yeah, now, of course. But yeah. particularly now, because like I was on day 13 of having essentially self-isolated as a family. I was on day 13 from the school closure and from taking my work home remotely as I advise everyone in my company to do, which pretty much everyone did. About two days ago, I felt a slight scratchy throat, but I've had a scratchy throat for a while. But everyone's worried about scratchy throats turning into something else. But no, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. And my sincere thanks to Linda Cullen there of Coco Television. This is Stay Safe, Stay Sane. I'm Mark Quinn. Follow us on Instagram on Stay Safe, Stay Sane or on Twitter at Stay Safe IRL. How far have you gone? About a, a, a third. Oh, you're all right. You've got the hill to come back up, though. Oh, well, we go a different road. Oh, you cheat. Joe Bollard just loves to chat with everybody and anybody as he takes his morning walk each day down Putland Hill near his home in Bray. And, of course, all the way back up again. It's a brisk start to the day for a man of 85. I was delighted. Now we're near the end of the first half. And how are you finding all this uh, cocooning and now, lockdown and whatnot? cocooning for me is, I'll say this seriously, it's good. Because um, we keep to the strict rules. Now, I do the shopping in the morning as well. And then in the afternoon, because of this good weather, I, get my, I sit out on what I call my patio and I get an audio book or a good piece of music and I sit with a pair of headphones on and listen for the whole afternoon covered in sunblock and <laughs> sipping coffee out of a cup. But it's that, a great life, Joe, isn't that, it? <laughs> that, and I wonder what the rich people do. <laughs> you know, I have this thing about, you know, perfect speech and the correct thing to say, which drives me up the wall. Mm. Look, I can't see. I've no sight. I'm blind. I'm not visually impaired because I haven't got any vision to be impaired. But people won't say blind. Yes, and I wonder yeah. why. Quick plug for your radio shows. You do, you're all over the world, I believe. Yeah, I'm doing... <laughs> one of the things I do um, indoors, and it's my hobby, is I do a lot of internet radio work. I present two programmes on 
one particular radio station called The Global Voice, in which I present a two-hour weekly program called My Kind of Music, the sort of music I like to listen to in my spare time on my MP3 player. And the other one is the biggest one is called Sounds Irish. That's taken by seven radio stations around the world, from the Pacific right up into Canada and across America. It does what it says on the tin. It sounds Irish. In other words, I play Irish music. Now, it may not be everybody's cup of tea, but because of the requests I get, I might play, Joe, can you find Bing Crosby singing How Are Things in Glockamora? And I, luckily, I had it in the library. Or but, unluckily, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> stay safe, stay sane. Now, we usually travel around the globe a bit on this podcast, but we're doing what we're told in this episode and we're staying at home. One of the big success stories in the local hospitality business in the seaside town of Bray, where I live, is the Duggan family business that owns several outlets, mainly in the seafront area. The Martello, Platform Pizza, Ocean Bar and Grill and the Harbour Bar are popular places to eat and drink and are just a few of the family's success stories. Brothers Connor, Brendan and John are all partners along with their father, Joe. As a consequence of the spread of the coronavirus a few weeks ago, like so many other businesses, everything quite suddenly had to stop for the Duggan brothers and their 300 employees. Hi, Mark. John, how are you? How are you doing? Good. Not a bother, not a bother. Not a bother, considering the circumstances, eh? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. If if I don't laugh, I'll cry. Yeah, well, there's a bit of that with everybody, I think. You know, anyone in business? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) John Duggan and I had a chat about the details and the effect of having to close up nearly all of their business interests so suddenly. Just from the pub point of view, Mark, it's very hard to do your social distancing. So um, whereas it's not as bad in a restaurant and places like that. Of course. Um, But but certainly in a pub, there's going to be people crossing over each other and ordering. So it was, uh, I think we just said, look, this is the right thing to do anyway. Um, So that that, that happened on the Sunday and then the Monday, it was, um, I I suppose I sent WhatsApps to the staff just saying, so unfortunately this is what's happening. And uh, and then we followed up from um, email from the office basically saying, look, Guys, you you have to uh, go and pretty much sign on tomorrow morning. Um, mm. So we just we, we just had the forms available uh, up, up in our office, and people went to collect them, or else they could get them online. So uh, so yeah, there was no wind down or call them into a meeting. It was all very very quick, and we don't know what the future is going to be. Or I think that's the biggest worry: the uncertainty and how the uncertainty. Yeah, you know? that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, was that the hardest decision you've had to make as businessmen? Definitely in my time, I'm whatever, 25 years in, in the business now. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was absolutely the hardest thing. You know, Now, I suppose it's not like you were going bust or something. So it's, it's yeah, slightly different. Absolutely. Uh, and the decisions know, so. made for you, really, in some ways. <laughs> but yeah, slightly different than, than having to make a decision yourself and say, right, we're closing the business because it's it's just not feasible, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. It's not just the staff and then, oh, that that's it, kind of, yes. you just close the doors. Like, you have to ring your suppliers, stop your direct debit, get them to bring back. Obviously, the fear of getting broken into, so it's to get all your stock taken back, uh, get your lines cleaned, um, 
so you're cutting off all your gas, you cut, cut off all your direct debits, like so your Green Star, cut off Sky, like I, I have a bill of 3,000 euros a month, so obviously Whoa. you have to stop that. Everything is frozen, basically. Probably. Everything is frozen, but you'd be surprised. There's little kind of nearly every day for about a week, kind of go, geez, did, did I cancel that? Or did you stop the difference of like not, not food suppliers and things like that? Like they were obviously cancelled, but um, yes. just different things that would be uh, that you'd never think of like the uh, res diary or bizimply these things like bizimply it's for our staff that they sign into work every day and so that but that's a euro per week per staff member you know so 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 okay. the bill for them alone is 300 euros a week you know so all that kind of stuff res diary is is just how we do our deal with our, our, our restaurant bookings and their secret DJ is our sound system in all of our pubs. So all of these, they're all bills that we just keep coming yes, in. Yes, of course. Un yeah. Unless we stop them, you know. So mm. you have to remember, we were, we were getting geared up for St. Patrick's Day weekend. So we, we had massive amounts of sock. Like I, I had 250 kegs, I had 500 cases of bottles of Heineken and Coca-Cola and Strepsonics and all that. You had, uh, I think I had 95 cases of uh, wine in stock. And, you know, so yeah. everything was massive, massive volume. And it, it wasn't throwing in the back of your car. It was Larry loads of stock where we're... We're obviously getting taken away. And then you have to get all that reimbursed. And even to get that back in, it has to be all restocked. And, you know, so it's just a logistical nightmare um, all around. And, and just in terms of the bigger picture here. Yeah, myself, Colin Brennan are still obviously meeting, uh, as we do meet every week, just go through. And it is something we're looking at and kind of going, God, have we got all our eggs in one basket? And what is the future for the pub industry, for the restaurant industry, and, and just hospitality in, in general? Like the hotel bed, I can't see movement of people for a long time even just talking to friends and people in in, in different types of business or in it and an awful lot of those are working from home now so a lot of those big corporate companies are kind of going what are we paying out for all this travel <laughs> expenses yeah, when we can do when yeah. we can do an awful lot of stuff online i don't know what is going to come about uh, the coronavirus is it going to be like a flu will it always just linger there and, and not actually go away so are people going to be coming back into pubs and restaurants as freely as they used to or is it going to be actually do you know what i'm not going to go down to that place because it's a bit too busy and you know so you anticipated my next question there john because i, I actually think that there might be a sea change people might realize well actually you know what I've, i'm cooking here and it's not too bad at home and you know having a few drinks at home and so on i mean there might be if i presume when let's assume when the uh, the lockdown is lifted in some way there might and the pubs are open again there might be a surge so you might get an upturn in business for a while but people may as you as you're saying there may go back to or may decide well you know what i kind of like this cocooning thing it's kind of working for me on some level you know so you're anticipating that we're creatures of habit we're very social the irish are we love pubs we love going out to restaurants we love going to coffee and stuff you know so that's part of our makeup we like socializing whether it be for a coffee or go out for a bite to eat or a drink but I do think that people's habits will change. Um, like you see the person's walking down the street and they walk seven or eight feet around you. Those type of people that are very nervous, I just don't think they're going to be coming back into this environment uh, because they might say, actually, do you know what? I'll go down there on a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon or something. I'm not going down there on a Saturday night. Like the future of nightclubs might be completely ruined. Uh, are, are big concerts going to be back on? Are people going to be going to football and rugby matches? You know, like this is worse than everything put together. It's worse than the, the, the ash cloud. It's worse than 9-11. And and are you worried, John? Are you on a personal level? Are you worried? I'm happy enough. And in fairness, kids are my eight year old keeps asking me every morning, Dad, are you going to work today? Are you at home? So 
Uh, but looking forward to the business, yes, uh, absolutely, I'm worried. I, I don't know how busy we will be even when we do. And, and say it is July or August that we do come back. I don't think we're ever going to see the, the, the days that we did. For, and for a couple of reasons, people won't have the money. So I think they're going to be um, very cautious. You're not going to be having that big spend. People are going to be afraid to go away on holidays, but they still, they're, they're kind of saying, actually, I, I don't have money to go off on a, on a fancy holiday and stuff like that, you know. So I do definitely think people are going to be, um, are going to be a lot more cautious and, and just be careful with their money, you know. That was John Duggan there, pondering the changes ahead. This is Stay Safe, Stay Sane, and it's Talk at a Safe Distance. I'm Mark Quinn. Let's catch up again with Joe Bollard for more impromptu walking and talking. OK, York, end right, of story. Right, we're at the bottom of the hill now, right? Yeah. So we're going to turn around. Yeah, okay. York, hang on a minute, you have to get your breath back. Yeah, yeah, um, OK, good idea. What I, what I think about this, what's occurred to me about this, um, isolation thing is people have been told to stay apart, right, two metres and when it first came out I said, oh, nobody's going to do that and they did and it sort of brings the people together so staying apart brings us all together we're that kind of a, per- a nation we're that kind of people that if we're told what to do we do it, most of us do anyway and that stems from when you were three feet high and the nun said, you, do that and it's in, brain, in your brain. But there Where, must be extra challenges for you, Joe, because yeah, a blind person depends so much on touch. That, that is quite true. You never said a true word, I'll tell you. I meet people now and they're wonderful. They see me coming, right? So I, go, I don't know the corner from across the road. Hello, Joe! And that's brilliant. Whereas before, they'd come up and slap you on the shoulder and say, How are you, Joe? Mm. Give us your hand. How's it going? Mm. And you miss that. Yes. I miss it. I miss the physical contact. Uh, are you worried, Joe, uh, given your age? Are you concerned? No. no. I'm not worried because uh, I take precautions, but I don't think every five minutes that I might get it. I forget it, and I just do what I'm doing now. If I get it, well, that's God's will. But um, the thing is that I not don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I might get the virus. And I don't even think about... What will I do if I get the virus? I, don't, I haven't even thought that, given that some thought. Now, I'm not burying my head in the sand. Mm. I, I just feel that if, if I'm to get it, I'm to get it. And being 85 years old, I think that I may have to fight if I get it, but I was born a fighter anyway. Before I go, I want to mention that very soon in this podcast series, Stay Safe, Stay Sane, we'll have a reflective chat with fiddle player and poet John Sheehan, the last surviving member of the world-renowned Dubliners. I generally just go with the flow and I'm like a backseat driver in in, in a sense, you know, I I don't uh, worry myself too much about what's coming down the line, just take it day by day. This is not great advice for keep fit people, but uh, I don't normally do any walking unless I need need to get somewhere, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a means to an end, is that it? (laughs) Yeah. And we'll have more thoughts and stories from John Sheehan in a future episode. My thanks to all of those who took part in this episode, Linda Cullen, John Duggan, and of course, Joe Bollard. Now, you might have something to say to us about how you're feeling. Just send us a voice recording, if you want, from your iPhone or computer to our email address at staysafestaysane.com. 
I want to thank Jody Hogg, the graphic designer who created our cool logo. And if you need a graphic designer, you can see all of Jody's work at jodyhogg.com. Now, I started out this episode on top of Bray Head. And if you'd like to see some of the spectacular views I experienced, they're all on our Instagram feed now at Stay Safe, Stay Sane. Thanks, as always, to series producer Pat Hannum. Now, is Joe Bollard nearly home yet? Look after yourself, Joe. Cheers. Bye. See you. <laughs> the middle of the road. Keep moving. <laughs>